Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. All right, we ready? (laughs) You are so not ready. Okay. Anybody really ready? Okay, here we go. So we're finishing up our series this week uh, called Illusions. We're a big fan here at this church of this app you can get on your phone called YouVersion. It's the Bible app. Uh, If you don't have it on your phone and you have the ability to download it, I strongly recommend you download it. It's free. And uh, if you go into the YouVersion app and click on the tab that says live, you can find uh, the sermon notes and follow along on your phone. Yes, we give you permission to have your phone out during church. And so that's that's a good thing. And so anyway, uh, I'll I'll be using my phone this morning. Excuse me. So we are finishing up this series, Illusions. It's been kind of us working through uh, portions of the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes being this book in the Old Testament where the, the writer who calls himself the preacher basically spends time looking for the meaning in life. And he is a real kind of down-in-the-dumps Eeyore kind of guy. And he is just like, you know, I can't find meaning anywhere. He looks for it in all kinds of different ways. And he's like meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Some of your versions say vanity. Uh, everything is vanity. Uh, but so this week, he, he spends some time looking for meaning in life in wealth and in possessions and, and accumulating and money and, and that sort of thing. And so this really feeds into who we are as Americans because we like stuff. Can I get an amen that we like stuff? We do like stuff. We like stuff a little bit too much. And uh, I'm a big stuff liker. And um, I, I, like, I like all kinds of different kinds of stuff. And, um, and so this is the thing. When we talk about wealth, um, you know, that when, as he does in this, in this passage, looking for meaning in life and wealth, we, we know what the end result of that is. And we've talked about these other topics for the last few weeks, how you know, if you go looking for meaning in life and pleasure in uh, whatever else, uh, wisdom or whatever else, that, there, that road only goes so far. That road only goes so far. So everybody here, as, you know, as, just kind of be honest. God is your witness. He's, he's here, here, sitting here in church this morning. Who here believes that money can't bring you happiness? Who here believes money can't bring you happiness? Can I tell you, you guys are so wrong. You can absolutely be happy with money. Money can bring you all kinds of happiness. When was the last time you received a fat check in the mail and got angry about it? Really? Really? No, money, can, there's a comedian that says uh, money may not be able to buy happiness, but it can buy a sea and I've never seen anybody angry on a sea right? And, um, and so it, it, money can absolutely bring you some happiness. My, one, my happiest day of the month is payday. I, for, for like that 20 minutes that I have a little bit of money to spend, um, that's a happy time in my life. And, and so, you, yes, you can, money can definitely bring you happiness. Those of you who are married know that when you've got some cash laying around, you tend to argue a little bit less, so things are a little bit more peaceful. But what money can't do is it can't bring you that ultimate fulfillment, that ultimate meaning in your life. That happiness only stretches so far, and eventually you get numb to the happiness, right? So even as we, there was a guy from Duck Dynasty last week that talked about, uh, you know, some of the most miserable people in, in his life that he's met have been some of the wealthiest people. And, and that's true, that that money, yes, it can bring you some happiness. It can allow you to do some happy things. But ultimately, when you're searching for that 
meaning in your life, it cannot supply that. It just can't. So let's look at what uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, which I've pretty much already uh, summarized what he says, but we'll go ahead and hit it anyway. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 5, start with verse 10, <coughs> says this. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. <coughs> Pardon me. Nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. <coughs> when goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There's a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost (coughs) in a bad venture. And he is a father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? So this is kind of a, a, kind of a prophetic, uh, poetic way of saying what I just stated earlier, that ultimately we cannot find uh, our true meaning, a true fulfillment in wealth. Yes, wealth can give you some happiness, but ultimately it's not what you're looking for. Now, some of you are thinking, I'd like to test that theory, send some wealth my way, and let's just see. But um, as, you know, through, from time, you know, and time all the way back, as far as time goes, there have been wealthy men and women who have died miserably. And uh, it's, it's just a fact of life. It's just a fact of life. Now, is wealth wrong? Absolutely not. It's not wrong. And, uh, you know, a lot of people go through... Um, periods of time, especially, you know, Christians go through times in their life where um, this is real common, like, say, after a mission trip. If you, if you ever have gone on a mission trip where you've visited kind of impoverished countries, that sort of thing, you'll, 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 you'll kind of be very burdened for the poor uh, because the poor, of the, I mean, the poor of the world live much differently than what we live here in Dixie, California. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. And, and you get very burdened for the poor, and you really identify with the poor, and you want to identify with them more. And especially, <clears throat> you, you come away with this realization that we have so much excess in our life, so much that we just don't need, um, so much that's unnecessary, that we come back a lot of times from those trips, and we want to simplify. We just want to simplify everything. But one of my spiritual mentors is a, a Christian artist by the name of Rich Mullins. He's, he's passed on now. But he, um, <clears throat> he tells a story of early on in his ministry, he had an experience like this where he was really identifying with the poor of the world, and he decided um, he was going to do something about it. So he decided he was just going to live very poor. <clears throat> and so what happened was he began to live kind of like a bum. And, um, of course, whenever we make extreme decisions like this, our family becomes very concerned. So he was at a Christmas gathering or something like that around family, and one of his uncles was like, you know, he's, he's, he's dressed like a bum, he's looking like a bum, he's living like a bum, everybody, you know, his family's talking about him, and one of his uncles is like, Rich, what are you doing with your life? And, uh, and so he tried to explain what he was thinking, you know, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm really feel for the poor, and I, and I identify with them, and I, you know, I don't want to live like a hypocrite, and all this kind of stuff, and he's trying to explain it, and, and the guidance that his uncle give, gave him was just priceless. He said this, Rich, if you want to help the poor, you don't help the poor by becoming poor. You help the poor by making as much money as you possibly can and give it all away. And that is the kingdom principle. 
that there's nothing wrong with wealth. In fact, I think wealth is a good thing, and wealth is something that we should all be in, in some way, shape, or form striving for. I say get out there and make your money. Make it. Make as much of it as you possibly can, and then learn some spiritual lessons with that money. Learn some spiritual, use that money, utilize that money in such a way that it's honoring to God. But don't live a life that is like, oh, I'm going to shun money. It's not money that's the problem. It's our attitude towards money that becomes the problem. The Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. The Bible says what? The love of money is the root of all evil. And so we have to make sure that our attitude about money is proper. So Jesus tells a story, and I love it when Jesus tells stories. <laughs> Jesus is absolutely at his best when he's telling stories. And in the book of Luke, he tells a story about a rich man. And I want to read the story because it's just golden. It's great. <clears throat> so it's Luke chapter 12. Start with verse 16. <clears throat> it says this, And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. <clears throat> and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. All right, so there's this rich guy, landowner, you know, he's, he's a farmer of some sort or operates a big farm, some, something like that, very wealthy man, and he has a bumper crop. So much so that he does not know what to do with all of the overflow. His barns are only so big, he can only hold so much, <clears throat> and he is left wondering, I am so rich now, what will I do with all of this that I have, Right? So, like, we, if, we come in, if we encounter people like that, we're like, yeah, it must be a nice problem to have. Whatever. Quit complaining about your, your issues, right? And so this is what he says. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. All right? Now, if Jesus would have stopped here, the whole crowd that he was telling the story would have gave him a little golf clap and be like, that is a great lesson. We're going to share that with our kids. It's such a great thing that when God blesses you, you should put it away and save it. By the way, the Bible, in other parts of the Bible, it teaches us that we should save. That's a good thing. We should save for retirement. We should save for a rainy day. We should save so that we can leave an inheritance to our kids. That's a good thing. A wise man does those things. But here's this man <coughs> who... Has um, such is, is blessed in such a big way, so big in fact that he realizes if I handle this situation correctly, I can actually retire right now. Isn't that the dream that you get some sort of windfall that that would allow you to just to say, "Oh, we can retire early. We don't have to work now. We can." Um, I, and so, in his mind, in his land, he was going to build bigger barns, fill those up, and then sit back, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, we have heard this story so many times. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard the story so many times that you, you start to identify this as some sort of evil man. But let's just stop the story right there where we stopped it and realize that this guy is not a bad guy. This guy is living the American dream. He is living, he is, he is, his aim in life is the same as every one of us in this room. Am I right? Every single one of us in this room would love to have some sort of windfall where we could retire early, where we could just kind of go about the rest of our life doing whatever we want to do instead of have to work for our money. That is the American dream. It's the American dream. So don't demonize this guy too much. Is the American dream God's dream? That's the real question. 
And so what Jesus does, Jesus doesn't stop the story there. Instead, what he does is he turns it completely upside down. And the next thing he says is this, but God said to him, fool, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So what does this mean? I mean, you know, God's got a bad attitude towards this guy that is just trying to save and retire early and live out the American dream, so to speak. He's got a really bad attitude towards him, right? What is God's beef with this guy? What's the sin? What's the sin issue here? Is, that, is it that he was rich? No, it's not a sin to be rich. Is it that he saved money? No, it's not that he saved money. The, the, the man's issue is this, that God blessed him abundantly, and this man just immediately assumed, it's all for me. It's all for me. So I want to ask you a question this morning that I want you to ask yourself, because I think this is a really important question. And that question is this, why do I assume my wealth is for me? Why do I assume my wealth is for me? Now, some of you are thinking, I'm shutting you down right now because I do not have wealth. Um, I, I don't have, I'm not wealthy in any way, shape, or form, and so this obviously does not apply to me. Nay, nay, I say it does. I say it does, that this principle applies to us especially because the fact of the matter is it's all about perspective, folks. It's all about perspective. And the fact is that if you're living on welfare in this country, you are wealthier than the vast majority of the entire world. If you're living on welfare, you are wealthier than the vast majority of the world. And the fact of the matter is, is if you're in this room, if you were able to get up out of a bed this morning, <clears throat> make your way here, and just be here with us this morning, that you are wealthier and better off than almost everyone in the world. Almost. That the world is really, really poor. And we have rich people problems. We don't have real problems. We have rich people problems. You know what rich people problems are? You know, it's, it's like stuff that we complain about that nobody else complains about. Like, oh, they were out of soy milk this morning at Starbucks and, and uh, you know, whatever. Like this week I had, my, uh, I, I had the, the pleasure of having a couple days of, of our sewage was backed up into our house, which is horrible. And, um, but it was, you know, we, we couldn't let water just go through or it would come back up. And so... It was like, you know, if I, I was complaining because if you get a drink of water, you can't just let the water run. You've got to get the cup under there and no, don't let any of it go out down the drain. Meanwhile, somewhere else in the world, someone's walking three or 400 yards to get their water. And, and, and I'm complaining about my little issues. <clears throat> we have all these problems because our perspective is all jacked up. The fact of the matter is we are wealthy. We are wealthy. You may not feel it all the time. You may feel like I'm, I never have enough, you know, check at the end of my month, whatever your, your issue is, but, but we are so incredibly blessed. Just, you hit, get this in your head, just by being born in this country, it's like you hit the lottery. It's like you hit the lottery, and you're so incredibly blessed. So why do we assume that our wealth is just for us? Why do I assume that? Because we all do. Most all of us do. You get 
a little raise, you get uh, you know, some sort of windfall, an inheritance, a, a bonus, uh, whatever it might be. Some money comes your way, some blessing comes your way. And you all, most all of us have the same conversation that I have with my wife, which is, wow, we have this extra money. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Well, we've always wanted to go here, and we've always wanted to do this, and we've always wanted to buy this, and maybe we should do that. And it's the wrong conversation. It's the wrong conversation. Because when you get the truth of this next statement that I'm going to put up on the screen, it changes that conversation totally. And, and the truth is this, that God doesn't give wealth, he entrusts it. God does not give wealth, he entrusts it. In the same way that when you get <coughs> paid, if you're working a job, you get paid, you take your paycheck to the bank, or maybe it's a direct deposit or whatever the situation is, but all your money goes to the bank, and you give that to them with the assumption that you can come back and pull it back out. Am I right? Like if you gave your money to the bank and they built a giant bank that they didn't even need or gave every one of their employees new cars or whatever, and you went back to get your money out of the bank and they're like, I'm sorry, we bought all our employees new cars. Would that be okay with you at all? No, no. There's some lawsuits happening. You're finding a new bank. You're, you're, you're maybe not even trusting banks in the future. I don't know what you're doing, but that is not okay. You're, you're pitching a fit over that situation right there. And in the same way, God, when he gives us blessings, when he gives us money, he doesn't just give it to us. He entrusts it to us. He entrusts it to us. What he's doing is he's, he's allowing us to steward his money. And one of, the, one of the most basic financial principles in the Bible is this, is that it's all his. It's all his. And we are stewards of what he, he blesses us with. And so when it comes to this, this idea of wealth, that it's not just about us building up our bigger barns and saving and putting away and you know, doing that whole American dream thing, that it's actually about putting riches up in heaven so that we can be rich towards God, that's a key lesson for us to learn. It's, it's, it's a huge lesson. Because that, what that teaches us is what the, what the uh, writer of Ecclesiastes has been asking in, in these uh, sermons that we've been preaching for the last few weeks, that, that basic question is, is there more to this life? And what that principle teaches us is yes, there is more to this life. And not only is there a life after this life, you can invest in that next life right now. That you can begin to store up treasures in the next life right now and become rich towards God. Because at, at the end of the day, it's not about how much money you have accumulated or how much money you leave behind. That's not the most important thing. In the kingdom economy, it's about how much money you're able to give. Why? Because part of the Christian life, and, and this is not, I don't want you to hear this is a, <clears throat> you know, Pastor Jeff's begging for money again. <clears throat> That's not what this is about. This is about one of the basic principles of the Christian life. That when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and he begins to transform your life in all kinds of interesting ways and begins to make you more like himself and that sort of thing, one of those transformations that you hopefully go through is that God puts a spirit of generosity in us. And it's one of the hallmarks of, of Christian living, that we become a people who are generous. We become a people who are, who are marked by the fact that we 
give to help others, that we encourage others, <coughs> that we are just a generous people, a more giving person. And I would say, if, you're, if you've been following Christ for any length of time, and maybe even if you haven't, I, I would guess that almost every one of us in this room could lift our hands and say, I really would like to be a more generous person. That's not a bad, is that a bad thing? Does anybody believe that's a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. We look at generous people and that's a quality to shoot for. That's a quality to be attained. And I personally, for my own life, want that. I want to be known as a generous person. Not that I want to give in such a, you know, showy way or anything like that. I just want to have a spirit of generosity that rests over me that when I see needs, I don't just shake my head or turn my head and ignore it. Instead, I'm, I'm thinking, how could I possibly help this situation? How could I possibly help this situation? And when we do that, we lay up treasures in heaven. The Bible says that, Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's, it's the reason that Jesus taught about money more than any other subject. Jesus taught about the topic of money more than any other thing. And the reason he did is because he knew this truth about us, because he, he's the one that created us, he knew us, he knows how we work and how we think and how, how we operate. He, he knew this truth about us that if that our hearts are tied so closely to our money that if he could get us to submit to him even in our finances, then he really and truly had our hearts. Then he really and truly has our hearts. And that's why, it's, that's why it's so important. Again, it's not a financial issue, folks. It's a spiritual issue. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're actively trying to follow him, and you're like me, I want to follow him in every area of my life. When I was called into this relationship with him, when, when, he, when he chose me for this relationship, I, want, I, I, be, I started wanting to be more like him. I started wanting to live my life in a way that was pleasing to him, not because I'm trying to earn favor with him or earn my salvation. No, because I love him, because I can't believe the sacrifice that he paid for me, and I, and I just want to love him back. And so I'm going to get into the word. I'm going to find out the things that he's c- called me to do. I'm going to find out the things that, that break his heart. I want to find out the things that he's passionate about, and I want to Align myself with that thinking because I love him so much. And even in this area of finances, which for some of us is so difficult, especially in our economy, it can be so difficult to think about. But this is what I know about God is that we've stated it before that he does not call us to do anything he won't also equip us to do. And, and we, I've used, you know, you've heard me use these, this whole illustration of it's like when you give your kids money to buy you a gift, Right? It's the exact same thing. God calls you to give, but he gives you the gift to give him in the first place. If I ask Isaiah to go buy me a gift for Christmas or give him the money to buy me a gift for Christmas and he goes and spends it on comic books, I'm getting some comic books out of that deal. I'm just telling you right now, right? And if not, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> I'm going to be upset. And so it's that same thing with God. Now, God it maybe does not, um, you know, harbor any kind of bitterness or whatever. But, the, you know, in the book of Malachi, the, God's speaking through the prophet Malachi. And he says this. He says, when you don't pay your tithes, you're robbing me. You're robbing me. If you don't know, the biblical principle of tithing is that whatever God blesses us with, we give him back one-tenth. So you get $10, one of those goes to him. And, and, and on top of that, Jesus gives us the principle of generosity, which means, you know what? 
you just, you just become a giving person. You give as much as you can. Yes, save for the future. Yes, save for a rainy day. Yes, do those smart and wise things. But don't assume it's all for yourself. We've talked about this before, that we need to hold our stuff and hold our wealth with open hands, not closed hands. Hold it with open hands. So that if any point, the true owner of all that stuff that we have, if at any point God himself says, you know what, I need that stuff I entrusted you with because there's another area of the kingdom that needs it more, that we just gladly give it. We gladly give it. And this is what I know about giving, and it's never been, <clears throat> never been false in my life, that when I give, um, I never feel bad about it, ever, ever. Like, I hate all the money I give to PG&E. Hate that. Anybody else hate it? I hate, you know, your, your rent or your mortgage payment, whatever. That's a, that's a beast of a check to write. I hate my car payment. I hate all these other bills that I got to pay. But I always write that tithe check with a bit of a smile on my face. I feel good about it. It's like the one place I actually would like to put my money. The one place I would actually like to put my money. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. I'm investing in my true future. I'm investing in my true future. When we come to this realization that, again, this, it's, a, it's not a financial matter, it's a spiritual matter. In fact, in that same book of Malachi, Malachi prophesies, God, prophesies, God speaks through Malachi and says, test me on this, talking about tithing. Test me on this and see if I won't bless you. Test me on it and just see if I won't bless you. And when we, when we kind of look at the situation in our human minds and we think, I don't know how this is going to work. I'm barely making ends meet right now. And I just, I don't understand how this works. All I know is this, that God is faithful and true. And when he says, test me on it, you can pretty much take it to the bank that somehow this thing's going to work. Somehow this thing's going to work. Am I saying it's always going to be easy? No. No, sometimes a sacrifice is still a sacrifice. But it is so worth it. It is so worth it. And this is the way we start changing our mind about wealth. Start changing our mind about wealth. Wealth is not a bad thing, but it's a God thing. It's a God thing. And we need to begin to leverage what God gives us, not only for us, but for the kingdom at large. Begin to leverage it. And so I want to challenge you to be what you really want to be anyway, which is just a more generous person. Don't allow the stuff of life, the, the, you know, the stuff that we get bogged down in financially, don't allow that stuff to rob God. If you need to simplify your life and make some changes, simplify your life and make some changes. Create some more margin. Do whatever you got to do. But I'm telling you, if, Christian, if you honor God in this man manner, the Bible says in, in, in Malachi again, I'll pour out blessings on you. I will pour my blessings out on you. Does that mean God's going to, you know, if, you, if I give to God, God's going to make me rich? No, it's not necessarily what that means. Blessings come in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes blessings aren't financial. Sometimes there's something more substantial than even money. But whatever that blessing is, you can trust that God's going to take care of you. Now, that's the spiritual lesson. Let me, let me hit just a practical side of this lesson for us as a church. <clears throat> when it comes to 
um, you know, when, whenever I preach sermons like this and point out the truth of the scripture when it comes to generosity and giving and things like that, a lot of times people get a little nervous and sometimes people even get angry and, you know, how dare you and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, it's in the Bible, so take it up with God. All right, so, but here's the deal. It's not about us as a church being like, that church, all they think about is money. I promise you that's not us as a church. And if you're around us for any length of time, you'll figure out that Living Hope is not just a church that's all about money. We're about people. We're about Jesus, okay? Now, we, why we want you to step up and give faithfully is because we want you to grow spiritually. And because our hearts are tied so closely to our money, when we submit to God in areas of finances, it helps us grow spiritually. And that's, that's first and foremost. But let me hit an even more practical reason. A lot of times I get questions, um, and other people in leadership around here get questions from, from some of you that, uh, going somewhere along the lines of, um, you know, so where are we at on getting our own building? And, um, you know, what's that, what's that process? Are we making any phone calls? Are we doing anything? Or, you know, what's, what's, what's going on there, right? Now, all of us, I think, most of us anyway, we really would like to have our own building. I, I, I can't wait for the day when Living Hope has its own headquarters. Our building will never be the church. We will always be the church. But I would like for us as a church to have a place to call our own, a place that's a headquarters for ministry, a place that is just that we get to do stuff with that's just got Living Hope's stamp all over it. And it's just it, it's a place that we're, we're proud of. I, I can't wait for that day. It's going to be a fun day, and it's going to be a good time, right? And, and so, you know, when that question gets asked, a lot of times the answer we'll give is, you know, somewhere along, something along the lines of, well, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that there's just not a lot of good places currently in Dixon for a church. I mean, there's, there really is only a small handful of places where we could put a church that are existing that we didn't have to build ourselves. Because there's, there's either issues with space or there's issues with a, a big enough parking lot or, or whatever. There's, there's, and so it really narrows the field down quite a bit. The, tr- the real truth, though, beyond that truth, is, is, is a plain and simple truth. And I want you to hear my heart on this. I'm not nagging. Don't hear nagging. I'm just stating a fact. The simple truth is we just couldn't afford it. We really just could, can't afford it as a church. That God has honestly blessed us with this facility at such an incredible rate, it doesn't make sense for us to go in debt on anything else, right? I mean, honestly, when I talk to other pastors about what we get to pay for this building, they're just dumbfounded. They're like, are you kidding me? It's, it's just, it really is a blessing from God. Now, that said, we still would like, and I think God would like for us to eventually have our own space some, sometime soon. And I think if all of us want that same thing, can I just challenge you to do this? To begin, you know, even though there are spiritual reasons and there are all kinds of other reasons for giving, maybe you're a more practical person. Maybe you need to, to, to have things laid out in a more practical. Let me give you just a practical reason. If you want to see our church grow expand, progress into the church that God has called us to be, that I know we are heading fast towards, would you just consider testing God on this issue and begin to give? Begin to give. Not just, and by the way, I'm not just saying just give to Living Hope. Give some to Living Hope and give some to other people in the world that need it too. Give some to your broke brother-in-law. I don't care who you give to, but become a more giving person. And when we do that, and, and if more of us would do that, and by the way, some of you are incredible givers. Some of you, uh, we are so, we're thankful for all of you, but there are some of you that step up and give sacrificially that we, we're just so thankful for, and thank you for that gift. It, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But you guys know, just as in any family or organization or anything you're ever a part of, part of there's that kind of 80-20 rule where, you know, 
80, you know, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And, and it's kind of that same thing in giving too. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a small amount of people who are making this ship float financially anyway, right? Ultimately, God's making it float, but, but supporting it with your giving. And let me just challenge you, not only to, for the sake of growing spiritually, not only for the sake of seeing us become the church that wants us to be, but just for the sake of, of allowing the Holy Spirit, giving the, Spirit Holy, the Holy Spirit access to yourself in such a way that you allow the Holy Spirit to rearrange the way you think about wealth and about blessing and about your money and everything so much that it allows you and your life to line up with kingdom principles in this matter, with biblical principles in this matter, because ultimately if you're a follower of Christ, this is what we want. We want to be as close to and as much like Jesus Christ as we possibly can be. And you cannot read the Bible and not come away with the fact that God has called us to be a generous people. You can't miss it. It's there all over the pages. And so I want to challenge you, become that generous person that God is, is calling you to be. Become all those things that God is calling you to be. It's not all about money. It's just what you got, guys got to hear this week, okay? There's all kinds of other things that God has called us to be and all kinds of other qualities that he's called us to be. And I don't apologize for speaking about money because Jesus speaks about it, and I'm just trying to be like him, amen? Amen. amen. That wasn't a very hearty amen. All right, that's all right. It's a good thing. Giving is a good thing. It's not a guilt thing. I'm not trying to make any... I'm, you know, if you're feeling guilty, if you're feeling bitter about it, keep your money. I don't, we don't want your bitter money. We want your joyful money. Joyful money. That's what, give joyfully. Give cheerfully. That's what we're looking for. If you're writing that check like cussing living hope the whole time, just keep the check. Seriously. It's not worth it. Okay? But be a cheerful giver. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for your word to us today. God, and we... We are so thankful that <coughs> it's not that we can't find any meaning in life uh, through money, God, but it's just that you want to rearrange the way we think about it so that the meaning we find is, is uh, kingdom-minded and, and God-minded, God. And so, God, while we are kind of practically going through this process of, you know, we want to do the wise thing. We want to save up for those things that it's wise for us to save up for. God, help us to realize that it's not all ours, it's all yours. Help us to live lives so generous that when you call it back, we freely give it. <coughs> God, increase our generosity. Increase our love for each other and our love for uh, those in need and ultimately our love for you. So God, just personally, I ask that you would rearrange my thinking on this issue, God, because I know in some ways I have a long way to, ways to go. Help me to become a more generous person than I am, not just with my money, but with my time and with my attitude and encouragement and everything else. God, help me to think of others more highly than I think of myself. Help me to think of you more highly than all. So God, bring me to a place where my life does begin to look more like yours. I got, God, I know you've got your work cut out for you in that area. Um, but I'm just going to trust it to you. God, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you so much for um, allowing us to be born into this country the way that you've blessed us. God, uh, I don't know why 
you saw fit to place us here when you could have placed us anywhere and our circumstances could have been very different. But regardless, God, help us as Christians. God, there are Christians <coughs> all over the world who have um, so much less than what we have. So help us as their Christian brothers and sisters to do everything we can to leverage what you've given us on their behalf. God, you're so good, and your word is good to us too. God, if there's anybody in the room that is just struggling in this area or with a decision of whether or not they should become a regular giver, um, God, I pray that you would just give them courage, give them faith, just give them a passion for the things that you're passionate about. Transform their hearts and minds, and um, in addition to making them more loving and more patient and more joyful and more all those things that you have called us to be, God, I pray that you would make us all more generous as well. You are good, and we are not. You are God, and we are not. Um, but just draw us in closer to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.